Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Let's start this morning with just a word of prayer, okay? God, we thank you for allowing us to just be in your presence this morning. We thank you for your son who died on the cross. We thank you. Um, for your Holy Spirit who comforts us and guides us. We thank you for you, for being the great I am and the creator of all things. Help us, God, today as we are in this room together to remember that above all, we're brothers and sisters, that that bond with each other supersedes everything, uh, that there should be unity, there should be closeness, there should be love that abounds when we're together. Help us to show that love every time that we're together and when we're apart. Help us to, to desire those relationships, to, be, to, to allow them to draw us back together and be one uh, as you are one. God, help us in moments of, of challenge. There are so many things in this world that draw our attentions in so many different directions. And every now and then, we just need a moment to refocus, to come back to our center point and to focus on your church and your mission. Help us to always keep that as our motivation to achieve what you want in this world and not what we want. We thank you for the death of Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his selflessness and his sinlessness that made him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Help us to live our life in view of the cross every day. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Well, it's been a few weeks since I've been with you and I appreciate Jonathan and um, Sean for taking the time uh, to study and to prepare and to lead you uh, in the thoughts of God's word over the last couple of Sundays. Um, the, the first Sunday I was in Savannah, I had the chance to go home and preach uh, where I grew up, and that was a, a very encouraging and uplifting time. Uh, last weekend, we were in a conference at Gatlinburg and uh, enjoyed that time, uh, especially uh, the time that uh, Blair and I just got to spend together. We had uh, a couple of days without our kids, and that was a, a very refreshing time for us, but it is always great to be back. I want to tell you, uh, especially as I sat around the table and, and talked to uh, a lot of different ministers from a lot of different places over the last weekend, uh, there's a lot of congregations that are struggling. There's a lot of congregations who are having a hard time restarting after COVID. They're having trouble getting people to come back. Um, and, and one of the things that I feel very blessed uh, to be able to do when I'm away from you, this is both when I was in Savannah and when I was at this uh, preacher conference is I get to brag on you. Uh, I get to talk about the positive things that are happening, the positive momentum that we have, the growth that is occurring. And, and that is such a great thing to be able to do as a minister. I've not always been able to do that everywhere I've been and in every moment during my journey. Um, but this particular moment I was, I was able to, to talk about nothing but the good things that are going on 
within our church family, and I'm <coughs> so grateful for that um, in, in our relationship and in our walk together as brothers and sisters. Before we get started, let us begin uh, this morning with Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 14. Jesus says this, or, or Uh, This is what is written later. Jesus appeared to the 11 uh, as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had uh, seen him after he has risen. Now, this isn't the point of this passage, but one of the things that jumped out at me, and really that hit me last night, uh, maybe for the first time, is is the fact that uh, the disciples, the 11, the apostles, as great as they were, there were moments in their journey with God that they had, they were called what? Stubborn. Stubborn. Say that word, stubborn. Have you ever been stubborn in your relationship with God? Stubborn is when God wants one thing and you want something else and you push back on what God wants because of what you want. We've all been guilty of that. And I find some comfort that even the apostles struggled with that. That makes me feel that maybe in my life, I'm not so bad sometimes. They overcame it, which we need to as well. But keep going. And he said to them, (coughs) go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Uh, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. I want you to go back with me though and think back to these words. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We've been very blessed as a church family over the last six weeks coming into the day. We've had six baptisms. And if you can't say amen to that, then there's something wrong with you. We've had six baptisms, amen? But one of the things that I want you to understand is that if you've not had that moment in your relationship with God, it doesn't matter how many we have, if you've not had that moment, then you're lost. And I want you to know this morning that it is my desire, it is our leadership's desire, it is all your other brothers and sisters' desire, and ultimately it is Jesus' desire that you hear his words, that you believe his words, and that you react to those words by being baptized so that you can be saved, so that you can be freed from the bondage of sin. You may think that, hey, I'm living my life, I'm doing great, I'm doing fine. But when you have a life of sin that you're living, when you're living in that direction, if you're not living in a salvation direction with God, you're living in a sinful direction away from God, no matter how many times you come and sit in the church pew. I want you to know that Jesus' desire is for you to be saved and be part of this spiritual family this morning. And I hope that as we talk about things today, even though our conversation today is is gonna be called what I call family talk, you know, it's for the family. If you're not part of the family, if you're not part of the kingdom, I want you to know that this morning you can change that and you can become a child of God and you can be saved from your sin. So I want you to know that this morning. This morning, as I kind of prayed to begin with, I want us to talk about the idea of refocus. Uh, there are, we've, we've come out of a challenging time. We're, we're still in challenging times. There's a lot of challenge when there's unknown and uncertainty. Uh, there are all, that is always going to be part of life. But there are times in our lives that we get so focused on other things that if we're not careful, our relationship with God suffers. Not in the fact that we're doing bad things, but just that it's not the most important thing. It's not the most prominent thing. And as I think about the church, we are the one church of Christ, the one church of God, the way, 
uh, as Jesus calls it. We are the, the, the way that the world sees love. We're the way that the world sees God. We're the way that love, the world sees forgiveness. That is who we are. And we have a very important mission. Jesus, as he's leaving, as he's departing this world, he says um, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is our mission. It doesn't matter what pandemic shows up. It doesn't matter what challenge shows up. It doesn't matter what goes on. Our mission never changes. You've heard me say that over and over over the last couple of years that we've been together. But this morning, I want us to just take some time and, 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 and admit that it's easy to get distracted. And it's easy to be distracted by what I call sometimes good things. Good things that in them of themselves aren't bad and evil. They're just distractions. And I want us to admit that it's even possible for us as a church to be in motion and not really going anywhere that matters. I was... Um, I was watching replays or listening to replays and stuff of, of last week's uh, college football uh, season, college football week, and there was a very interesting game to me. I, I'm an Alabama fan. I grew. I was born in Florence. Uh, when I was 10 years old, we moved to Savannah, Tennessee, and the year that we moved, Tennessee broke the current streak and went on. Like the whole time I was in school in Savannah, Tennessee won every game against. Alabama, which made for a really miserable time around October for, for me in school. Um, because all this pent-up energy towards Alabama fans were all directed towards me, you know, that whole time. Um, so because I grew up there and, and kind of grew up in Savannah as well, I don't, I don't root for Tennessee football, but I do kind of follow it and keep up with it. And so I was looking at their um, scores and stats from last week, when they played Kentucky, okay, when they played Kentucky. And this is just proof that movement doesn't always equal success. Alex, I'm going to ask you to, to listen to this and tell me, as a football coach, if you would like this. Um, last week, Tennessee's time of possession was 13 minutes, 52 seconds. Kentucky's was 46. That's a good thing for Kentucky, right? Time of possession, you want the ball. Yards, Tennessee had 461. Kentucky, 612. Who do you want still? Kentucky, okay. First downs, Tennessee had seven. Kentucky had 35. Who you still, whose stats look the best? Kentucky stats look the best. You know what the final score was? Tennessee 45, Kentucky 42. Kentucky moved the ball all night long. They were in motion all night long, but they never succeeded in their actual mission. And as a church, we can have ministries going, we can have opportunities going, we can have classes going, we can have worship going. And if we're not careful, we can have all the moving parts. And if we're not focused on the right thing, we don't have the success that God wants us to have. So what I want us to do for just a few moments, just a few moments, is I want us to talk about some focus steps, some things that we can do to make sure, as a, as a church family, as a whole, and you can do this in your own life. This is really geared towards us as a body some things that we can do to make sure that we're focused on the right thing. Here, here's the first thing. Don't focus on distractions. Don't focus on distractions. Um, 
Actually, that's not the first thing. This is the first thing. Don't be content with normal. Now you're wondering what the second thing fleshes out as. Here's the first thing. Don't be content with normal. Um, I, I want to describe something to you, and this is really from a, from a pre-COVID kind of thing. There, there were a lot of normal things that happened pre-COVID that once COVID happened, really changed. And the most prominent one for churches was what happened to our worship assemblies for a period of time. They went away. Our worship assemblies became virtual. And I'm going to tell you, I feel very blessed to, uh, for this to have happened during a time that even though maybe um, we weren't able to be together, that there was still some connectedness and there was still some spiritual connectedness that as even though we were in different places, when we worshiped on Sunday morning, we were still united in the spirit. And I think that was always important for us to remember, but we craved normalcy, didn't we, for such a long time? And we're getting some of that back, but we craved normalcy. And pre-COVID, normal looked like, normal looked like class. We're talking about church services for a minute. Class worship, worship again, class on Wednesday, correct? That was normal. And then all of a sudden, normal is nothing. And then the new normal became, well, okay, we're going to have worship on Sunday morning. And then it became, we're going to have two worships on Sunday morning. And then it became, well, we're going to have two worships on Sunday morning and we're going to put class in the middle of it. Then we're going to add Wednesday night. Then we're going to go back to everything being normal the way it was because that was what we were used to. And then uh, there was just a lot of moving parts, wasn't there? But we craved, we wanted to, we wanted normal, right? But is it possible that normal isn't always biblical? Is it possible that we can be so focused on normal that we've lost biblical? I want you to challenge you with that question as we look at this idea. So in Malachi chapter 1, Malachi deals with this in a couple of different ways, but I want you to read these words with me. Malachi chapter 1, the Lord of the uh, heavens, uh, the Lord of the heavens army says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, um, where are the uh, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you say, how have we defiled the sacrifices? The Lord, uh, you defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals the sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of the heavenly armies. So what's going on is you've got this Jewish group of people that they're living their lives and they're going through the motions. They're going through the normalcy of sacrifice and worship and asking for forgiveness. But what has become normal is not biblical. What has become normal is not approved by God. And I want us to understand that we have to be careful, especially as we are in the search for the new normal in our life, that we as a church need to make sure that we are focused on biblical and not normal because normal is comfortable. We want normal because it makes us feel better. Let me ask you this. Like I said, we changed, we changed all of our scheduling. But is it possible 
that even when we came back to just that one hour of worship, is it possible that that one hour of worship might have been more biblical than the four hours previous? And I challenge you with that question because of this. Because normal becomes routine. Normal becomes expected. And when normal's taken away, I'm going to tell you, I have I heard over and over and, and continue to hear, but one of the things that I heard after we came back together for just that one hour of worship was how great it was to just be together. To just be together and worship with people in person. Could it be that the taking away of normal and then just introducing something that wasn't normal, but in that moment, could it become more biblical because our, our, our mind was focused maybe more in the right direction. We appreciated the fellowship. We appreciated the worship. We were more engaged in the worship because of the challenges that, go, that were going on around us. One of the things that you see through Scripture so many times is that when challenges come in and, 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 and mess up normal, that usually the Christians grew stronger. And I, and I saw that happening. So I want us to just understand that maybe part of our refocus is that we're not afraid to step back and go, okay, I want to make sure above everything else that I am focused on what God wants me to focus on, not just on what we've always done. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes from, from a church life, from just my normal life. But let's make sure that we're focusing on biblical and not normal just for the sake of normal. All right, let's go to the next idea here. Don't focus on distractions. Don't focus on distractions. Paul begins as he's writing Timothy. He says, as I urge you, this is in 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 6. As I urge you, when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrine any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculation rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. Let's stop right there for a second. Um, churches sometimes fuss over some of the funniest things. Have you ever been a part of a funny church argument and fuss? Uh, there, there's a blog that I follow, a preacher blog that I follow, and I was searching it last night just to see if he had anything. Because he's always got good stuff like this. Um, and, and he had listed uh, 25. We don't have 25. I just have a few of them. Um, but pointless things that he has been a part of or have had people tell him were argued about in their congregations. Um, an argument over the appropriate length of the worship leader's beard. Fights over whether they should build a children's playground or a cemetery on a piece of land. An argument over whether the clock should be removed out of the auditorium. A fight over which picture of Jesus to hang in the foyer. I love this one. An argument over what brand of green beans to serve at potluck. A fight over which brand of coffee should be served. Jonathan, here you go. A major conflict arised when the youth minister borrowed the crock pot from the fellowship hall. 
an argument over whether the church should allow deviled eggs at potluck. These are real things, folks. An argument over who has the authority to buy postage stamps. A disagreement over the term potluck or pot blessings. And this is something that I've been a part of, and I'm not proud to say this. An argument over whether the fake dusty plants should be removed from the podium. We have to be careful sometimes. Because you see, there are a lot of things going on, and if we're not careful, we'll get distracted. You've heard me say this, and I truly believe this, that one of Satan's greatest tools is the tool of distraction and chaos. He doesn't have to get us to sin. He doesn't have to get us to go off like the prodigal son and walk away from it all. Sometimes he just has to get us distracted so that we're not focused on what we need to focus on. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of movement, but we're not going anywhere. We think we're accomplishing something important, but we're really accomplishing something meaningless. And and that's what Paul starts out here. He says, look, he he starts out, you know, hey, there are certain people that are teaching false doctrine. They don't need to do that anymore. And I, and, I, and I agree with that. False doctrine. But then he kind of goes down to that next level. And he said, there's also people who devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, things that don't matter. And he says, these things promote controversial speculations. And then he ends it by saying, let's see if I get to where he says it. He goes, this turns into, what's the last phrase here? Meaningless talk. Meaningless talk. Unproductive talk. Talk that's not helping move forward in the mission. Now, when I think about church life in 2021, I think one of the biggest distractions that we face is the distraction of tradition. I really do. The distraction of tradition, and I mean this with all respect. I'm I'm not trying to to get on a soapbox by any any stretch. Just follow me for a second. I believe there is value in church tradition. As a matter of fact, Paul believed the same thing. He says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15, he says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by our letter. So there there are some traditions. Traditions have value. They really do. Um, like I said, I was able to go home two weeks ago, back to Savannah, uh, and, and preach and, and get to see some people that I had not seen in, in a very long time. Got to spend some quality time with people that I keep up with, but I don't just get to just spend time with. And one of the things that, and this is a positive thing with tradition, okay? A tradition, make, traditions make you feel at home. Traditions make you feel like home in a lot of different ways. They connect us to past generations. One of the, one of the things that they've got um, on, on the wall outside the auditorium in Savannah is they've got a whole wall of pictures of all of the previous elders. And, 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 and there's a lot of pride in that for me because two of my great-grandfathers are on that wall. And then on the other wall are the current ministers. And, and my grandf- another one of my grandfathers is on that wall. That We, we have a great tradition in the Savannah Church of Christ. Up until just recently, you know, my family had had a continual member, an active membership role in that church for 67 years. 
And that tradition means something to me. It connects me to my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Many of you have that same connection here. And it's such an emotional connection. Um, Traditions create home environments. There's things that you can talk about. How many of you have ever spit crickets for fun? Raise your hand. Anybody? Just me. You know why? Y'all are all looking at me like, what is wrong with you? That is a Savannah Church of Christ youth group spring retreat tradition. It doesn't make a lick of sense. But we buy a big old box of crickets and we have a competition the last night. See who can spit them the furthest. Doesn't make any sense. But it's important to us. And the people that win carry that trophy home with a lot of pride. And that's a connection. It makes you feel at home. Now, there's a lot more serious traditions than that. Traditions bring us comfort. Traditions bring us comfort. They create fond memories. Some of my fondest memories, and I think about maybe a church tradition, is dinner on the ground at the Pine Hill Church of Christ, where my dad's family is from after homecoming um, every year. People just go and sit. Um, One of the things that I've talked to a lot of you about, and this is a traditional thing, is we're in what you still, some of you consider the new auditorium and the old auditorium, but there's a lot of you that can talk about where people sat in the old auditorium. That was their traditional seat. And when you talk about them, you have fond memories of them. Traditions are not always bad. The challenge becomes when traditions that make us feel at home and give us comfort, connections, they create memories. It's so easy to hold those things so close and allow them to distract us from God's mission. And if we're not careful, we can create a culture where all of our Um, changes, all of our decisions go through the filter of tradition and not the the filter of God's teaching. A point in case that I think is relevant to today's church environment is the church building and the auditorium. Um, How many of you used the phrase this morning, we're going to church? We did. We did. Is church a place you go? No, but it's a traditional phrase that we use, right? I'm going to church. We're actually, what you mean is you're going to class or you're going to worship, right? You're going to meet with the saints. Um, but um, how many of you have ever said, hey, I got to run up to the church, meaning I've got to run by the church building? You know, we, we've created this. And, and with that sometimes comes the idea that this room in particular, because worship happens in this room, that this room holds a little holier position. And if we're, a lot of us, myself included, myself included, if we're honest, we feel that way about this room just a little bit, that there's something a little more special about this room than the rest of the rooms in this building, that there's things that I can do in my office that maybe I shouldn't do in here, but really and truly, that's a tradition. Because this room is just a what? Room. It's just a room. But there's a lot of focus in this room. There's a lot of emotion tied, a lot of tradition tied in this room. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we start to look at things through that lens of tradition instead of the lens of our mission. And so let's not allow ourselves, let's step back. I love how how Paul kind of sums this up. He says, look carefully then how you walk, 
not as wise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of every time, uh, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and do not get drunk on wine for that leads to debauchery, which is, um, but here's the light, but be filled with the what? Be filled with the spirit. That's really our focus, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's supposed to be our focus, focus of walking and being filled in the Spirit, praising God with each other, encouraging each other. Those are the filters in which we are to live our life. All right, we're running out of time here. Let's, let's wrap up with this last thing. Maybe the most important focus step is be devoted to prayer. Above everything else, be devoted to prayer. Acts chapter 1, there's two passages we'll talk about here. Acts chapter 1, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, uh, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. Now listen to this. These guys are lost a little bit. I really believe it. Uh, They know that something big is supposed to happen, but Jesus is gone. The guy that they had followed for three and a half years is gone. Now, After his death and his burial, they all just kind of went back to work and did their own thing. Then he came back and finds them all spread out. And at least they're back together here, but they're waiting on something. They don't know exactly what they're waiting on. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit, but they don't exactly understand what they're waiting on at this point, I don't believe. And so they're all, but they're all together. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room uh, where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphas and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of James. Um, all the, these with one accord were, say this with me, devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What happens when we devote ourselves to prayer. Look, just a few verses later in the next chapter, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You know what I'm going, I'm going to assume, and I think this is a fair assumption that they were still doing, they were still praying with each other. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's other things that we can talk about here, um, but I want you to know this, and, and I truly believe that this is true today because we're promised this, that when we devote ourselves to prayer, God empowers us with his Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers those who pray. Now, there are, are there times that things that we read in the New Testament and the Holy Spirit look different than the way he functions today? Yes, absolutely. We can have that conversation at another time, but I do want you to understand from that moment on that when we devote ourselves to prayer, we can be assured that we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission and the will of God. The mission and the will of God. I want us to stop right there tonight as we gather back for our replug. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into some of this stuff. Uh, another point that I've got that we're not going to necessarily talk about tonight, but today because of, of our time. But I want you to know that as we continue to move forward as a church, as we continue to focus on uh, the mission 
that we have to do it in unity. We have to do it in love. We have to do it together. Let's remember that we are the one church that Jesus built, and we have one mission, and let's, let's accomplish that together. Let's go to God in prayer as we close. God, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for this room filled with people who this morning decided I'm going to seek the presence of God. And I appreciate that, God. And today, as we close, I pray that your spirit convicts us, convicts us to step back and refocus and reevaluate to make sure that we're moving in the direction that we need to move, to make sure that we're focused on your mission and not our own mission. God, I pray for those who have not even become part of the mission because they're not your child yet. And this morning, God, just convict them. Just convict them to make that commitment, to make that um, decision, to have their sins washed away, to do what Jesus says, to just believe and be baptized so that they can be saved this morning. Be with us as we leave this place today. Help us to be a light in our community. Help us to be a light in the world. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a church of Christ caring for its community.